0: Friends, welcome to episode 178 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level.
1: I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? I've, I left the tea of oh, water over there. I didn't get a chance to pour our kettle yet, even. It's, I'm I'm off. Fired. Uh, I'm well, off. I will
0: be doing the show solo tonight. <laughs> uh... Hardly, hardly.
1: <laughs> um I did want to say uh kind of a thank you we've gotten a whole ton of new listeners like we've been watching our metrics just a little bit over the last month and actually the last couple months, and we have really spiked it's been nice it's nice seeing some new metrics coming in from all over the country and around the world yeah, so absolutely. uh if you're if you're new to storyteller, thank you and I, I know some people are joining us from uh, from some of the comments that we've made on Reddit and uh people directed from there. So we you know, you Redditors, we really appreciate you joining us. Um and we try to hope to continue to make content that will help you. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely. The whole point of this is that Sarah and I have done doing this for three years. We've been doing this for three years. Yeah. Wow. The podcast for three
0: years. Yeah. Ev- been every
1: week for three years we've been talking about storytelling
0: for close to thirty each.
1: Yeah. And and like that right there is enough, but I think even in just doing this, in the research that we've done and the systems that we've looked at, we've we've learned so much. Oh, yeah. More than what we did in our experience for our games. But our games have gotten critically better.
0: Oh, they really critically have. Critically better. Both of them, just amazingly better in just doing this show because... Uh, every every week we have to research a new topic. We have to look at storytelling yeah. from a new angle, and it forces us to up our game so that we can share that with you guys. Um, and uh, so it's been a great experience, I think, all around.
1: Yeah. So we're happy to have you guys with us. We're happy to have you joining us. We'd love to have you in the Discord. And if you don't feel like doing Discord, which I totally get, you know, you can always shoot us a message on Twitter. And if you want to hear about something or you've got a a topic idea or something like that, even just kick us some ideas. We're totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. Like this, I'm going to say this. Unlike some podcasts which and shows that are on YouTube, they're out there to do this as a job. Yeah. We're not. We're literally doing this uh, basically just to to make the community better, to yeah. make to spread what knowledge we do have. Mm-hmm. And and try and take care of each other. Because there's new people out there, there's old people who've been getting into this, you know, who are trying different game systems, they're moving away from OSRs, they're moving into their narrative stuff, and people who have done nothing but narrative are now moving, looking at OSRs like, is this something I could do? Sure. Mm -hmm. But all of it comes down to story for us. Yep. You know, we're, we're, we're not here for the super tactical, we read a lot about it, but we're not here for that. But we want to do better content, so we're always here for you guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh so you had your game last weekend.
1: I did. It was the end of uh, that short kind of adventure arc that mm-hmm. I threw in. Um it felt really good. It felt uh, really really good. It, it
0: yeah, it, as a as a as a player at your table, um I thought it I thought it was it was really great. Um uh I found the the whole plot arc very easy to to keep track of and stuff like that, um which I know you said it was like that's really saying something for me because yeah. I usually lose track of plot like instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Um but uh,
0: I th- I think the, the the greatest thing you did though was kind of left the solution to the problem very open ended mm-hmm. and that's something we're going to I'm going to dive back into that later more by in depth minutes, But like minutes. the fact that your the solution to the problem that you offered us was very open ended and you're just kind of like whatever solution you guys come up with I think is good mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. very empowering to us as players and uh it worked out great it felt it felt like you had it all prepared you know, even though we were the ones that came up with that solution. You yeah, know? and
1: I'll, I'll paint out the scenario later in a little more detail so mm-hmm. we can kind of break that down and and my thought process behind it. But I'll flat out say when I was developing this adventure, the framework was super light. Yeah. Like, the hardest part for me in this one is because I, I, the only thing that I wrote that was weird about it was the fact that I kind of wrote it Backwards Mm -hmm. because you guys were discovering events that had already transpired, so there was a little bit of a mystery wrapped into it, but not so much a mystery, so much it was an investigation of okay, what are we running across? What are we discovering from this? And that all was laid out for you. There was nothing, there was nothing in this that was in really any way uh, trapped. Or or bound by any skill checks or abilities. I, I I basically gave you guys carte blanche of like, hey, you've went into this area, this is what you see, and as you started looking around, you made discoveries, and I I kept it exceptionally narrative in that is uh, in that um direction, and only really brought the D and D mechanics in for the fights. Yeah, I mean I kept it that simple uh, to to simplify the adventure to make it more streamlined.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I and I thought that the fight was really well um really well balanced. It was uh it was tense. Yeah. It was very tense. Um it was the first time in a while that we have been severely challenged and from a combat standpoint. And, and you
1: guys are not
0: low level. No, we're level eleven. Yeah. We're level eleven. So we've got
1: we've got a full fighter, like a without question straight up fighter, um, who's a battle master. Mm-hmm. We have a straight up wizard, yeah. Uh, Two a straight di- up wizards. Yeah, divination wizard, and you, who is uh, basically a elementalist and conjurer. Yeah, a uh, ev- evoker with a with a strong backbone of conjuration. Um, we have a combat cleric, uh, yep. effectively, and a rogue, straight up straight up, straight assassin, up rogue. Ass- assassin rogue. Yep. So I mean, it's a good DPS group overall, and you guys really moved through it well like it was a i made it challenging for a reason mm-hmm. um i had some ideas on things that could happen and what that would require and i thought i made it very clear within that what the consequences were if events were to transpire in a certain direction yeah um and again we'll we'll get to the actual combat of that a little bit later but yeah, yeah i f- i felt you guys had a very strong grasp on it mm-hmm. and i think the only thing that i want to add to that is that at the very end it really really as a sto- really, as a storyteller it really warmed my heart that all of you had a clean grasp on the lore and uh and plot that i handed you guys all this time that you finally all started clicking together yeah yeah in a clean method where you were just like we know what's going on mm-hmm. and th- that's what i wanted i wanted this act to eventually come to that and it, i think it took me Making taking this adventure to kind of give you the pieces and reiterate it all in a clean path, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it felt good, it felt really good. Right? Uh, I got my game coming up this weekend. You do, you do. Are you stressing? Uh, because I, I know you've been stressing.
0: I, I'm stressing a little bit, if only because, um, I, well, I, I was stressing for a while because I was dealing with quite a bit of writer's block. Um, and I, I like, I had an idea of like, I knew the major beats. I wanted to take place during this next part of the story. Um, there is a uh, an old friend coming in from out of town that uh, you guys are going to be uh, interacting with. And you're going to be j- tra- taking
1: your first journey into Apocrypha, the realm of Oblivion. Yeah, we, we've got the, the vampire that literally was I- involved in the last... Act with me specifically. Yeah, coming back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this who, who is a... told me to get the f out of his house? Basically, <laughs> at the end, which was well, fantastic. You did
0: bring a magical undang- undead slaying sword into uh, into the house of a uh, of of the vampire count.
1: I did, I did, and then he took me to his wife and said, "If this is to go down this way, you better make this nice and easy for her." Yeah, and I yeah. was like, "Just just promise oh. me
0: if you end up killing me that you'll t- you'll take her out nice and clean and gentle and show mercy to her." Yeah, without a doubt. And without you're like, "Oh, I don't know if I can kill you."
1: now <laughs> yeah exactly and it was like okay this just got this just got real personal with everybody else here yeah yeah so, it really did
0: um yeah. so he's uh he's kind of rejoining the squad uh because of the actions of one of the other players at the table um who invited him along essentially it was not a uh, plot arc i was planning on before but he's here now mm-hmm. um and so like i said i kind of knew that the major narrative beats that i wanted to do the problem was is that um I I was having trouble finding a balance for, like, how I wanted things to unfold. Like, clearly you guys know you are going into this infinite library realm of Apocrypha. Right. And, you know, that is this, this like, basically Cthulhu's library. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, with all of Cthulhu trapments.
0: And, um... But I, I I didn't want to just be like rar and you're set upon by tons of monsters, fight for your lives. Right. But at the same time, I also didn't want it to be like, and you stroll through the park. Yeah, you smell the roses along the way, and then you find the thing you're looking for. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding finding what I wanted to do in there and making it work well from a mechanic standpoint within Savage Worlds was really where I was struggling. Right. Um. I will tell you. I got on the Discord for a uh, another fellow podcast, uh, Savage Interludes. Hmm. Um, that is, yeah, uh, talked about them all about the uh, the Savage Worlds uh, um, uh, game system and such like that. Uh, asked around there, a couple people gave me some really good advice mm-hmm. that I took wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, turns out, I was like. Ninety percent of the way there, anyways. Good, but they confirmed that ninety percent, and they gave me the extra ten
1: percent. Sometimes know? that's all you need. Sometimes yeah. that's all you need. Um,
0: so uh, now I am stressed out, not because I don't have an idea, but because I only got this idea a week before my game, <laughs> and now I'm trying to. I'm, I'm in a frenzy to write. I got a bunch of painting done over the weekend, right. and now I've just got to finish off
1: some of my notes. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, I, I cannot wait for Sunday. I think that will be fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to it. So that. In a weird way, brings us around to today's topic. Yeah. And today's topic is going to sound like a revisit because it kind of is. Yeah,
0: from like three episodes ago.
1: Yeah, which is weird, but we kind of did that one uh, in a more focused sense.
0: Well, that one was a 101. Right. So that one was more designed to be like the broad overview for beginners. And we kind of wanted to come back to the same topic and really um, touch on some stuff that we didn't get to in that discussion, mm-hmm. but also kind of give it the 201 treatment.
1: Yeah. And. Oddly enough, this has come up a lot in the last month in DM Academy on Reddit. Uh, it's come up a lot in r slash RPG, if you're on Reddit. Just uh, a few things on Instagram that I ran across where people were talking about this, and that is the idea that uh, of, of investment and hooks and getting your players involved in the story and keeping them involved in the story Yeah, uh, being a struggle. And uh, it's odd the ways that That I'm seeing it because it's not obvious Mm -hmm. out there. Like, if you take a cursory glance and you read the headlines and you read a couple lines into some of these things, you're not going to see that this is about hooks or about investment. But once we start into this, I think you're going to start seeing this a lot easier. Yeah. Um. So when we talk about investment, um, which we had in a discussion in episode 175, uh, which is back on uh on the 7th of this month,
0: September 7th. Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, we're talking about When players and characters, we're putting those together, care about aspects of the world, Mm -hmm. uh, whether they're NPCs, whether they're places, whether they're events, whether they're histories, you know, the local town, whatever, right? It's when we say care, it's their buzz their. I don't know. Their enthusiasm yeah, that's a for,
0: for, for various aspects, whether it's their drive to, you know, join a certain organization, become a knight or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. or if it is a certain character that spurs them forward of like, um, you know, I have to defend this person or I have to defeat this person yeah. or something like that. It, it's that it's that intangible part of the story that has hooked them in and inspires them. To move forward of their own volition that gives them a vector of, of, of movement in the story.
1: Yeah, it's the players interested in taking care, you know, interested when after going into a city and hearing about an orphanage there, oh, they want to take care of the orphanage. And that was literally a sidebar that you had thrown in there about the town. Yeah. Like, that's investment. They're interested in that. Sure. You know, um, and when we say investment, we're not saying that they are plot hooks. Mm-hmm. That is not the same thing. A plot hook is you setting out um, a piece of the story that players can be interested in.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You're 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 laying mm-hmm. out that you know uh, children have been taken from the town recently. Uh, they've gone missing, mm-hmm. and uh, the story is is that you know they're not too sure what's going on. But you find out from one of the kids uh, that there's a cave nearby that they were all interested in. That's a plot hook. Sure, that's a plot hook. Yeah, it's interesting, and it it may spur interest, but it's not something that they're already invested into. Right, right. I mean, it could be technically, but
0: uh, yeah. Um, and so it's it really kind of it it diverges into that when like plot hooks are what you what you use to try to add motion to your to your hmm to get them to move in a certain direction. And hence why it's called a hook. You know, right. you sink that hook in and then you start reeling them in, in a certain direction, right? Like a fish. Um, but um, if, if your players are invested, if they truly care, you'll find that they have motion all on their own. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a really big thing that, that separates the two of them. Yeah. You
1: know? And using investment to within a hook is always great. Like I was saying. Oh, absolutely. If the players are already interested, like, hey, you've got a cave that you want them to go and identify or yep. go into for whatever reason. Well, yeah, you bait the hook with something
0: they're invested in. Exactly. So here's an NPC you already said you care about. They've been kidnapped. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, obviously we have to go save her. Right. There you go. There you go. Baited now... the hook with something you've invested in.
1: And that could be anything. Again, we're not saying that you start knowing what that bait is. Mm-hmm. The bait is what your players are interested in, and that's that's where it starts getting gray. Now, the the role behind all of this, and what we're talking about, whether you're we're talking about a hook or whether we're talking about a is getting player buy-in. Yes, you need them to want to do it. They have to have they have to have a stake. Yeah. in what's going on, you you can't force them into that role play. You can lead a horse to plot, but you can't make them role play. Exactly, exactly. Like in a board game, the board moves in a specific direction. There's a rule set that pushes you in that direction. It's railroading you straight up. That's this. This rules will do that to you.
0: But in a tabletop RPG, you're generally sitting there going, "Okay, what do you guys want to do?" And unless you've got some player buy-in, I think you know every, most of us who've played more than more than a few games have sat at a table with someone who's just kind of sits there mute. Yeah, you know, or or just kind of shrugs their shoulders and just, or or outright plays a character that is, I would say, hostile to the plot in mm-hmm. the way that they're like, well, my character doesn't think about any of these things. My character is a lone wolf who doesn't care about anyone but themselves. He doesn't care if people got kidnapped. He leaves. Yeah. OK. All right. So <laughs> what what does your character do?
1: Yeah. What? You know, why? Are why here? are you in the game? Yeah.
0: You know. Why yeah. is this character a dramatis personae in this story? Exactly. Um, and and those are those are examples of like not having that buy-in. You mm-hmm. know, you need so character buy-in does require like a, a a an investment from your players. It requires them to want to engage with the content, and it's unfortunately one of those aspects that you cannot force Mm-mm. as a
1: storyteller no it's and to make a point uh nox had just made a point out here and saying like having bait that i'm already acquainted with is better than unfamiliar bait 100% agree you know kidnapping my friend i'll go for that random missing children why does my narcissistic character care and that's a key right there i'm i'm, I'm going we'll get to get back to that word right, narcissistic right we'll get back to that but the point is is yeah. that everybody at the table has a different care They have a different reason for buy-in, whether there's the person who sits at the table who is looking at their character sheet, wondering how to crunch or fight or tactically be advanced. That's what they're looking for. Yep. They're not going to give probably two cats about that, about those kids. But they're going to be interested in maybe... The combat that will involve Correct. getting
0: those kids back.
1: You know, oh, we, maybe we can get into a fight with whoever kidnapped them. There's a monster in there?
0: Yeah. Oh, I like the idea of going after a monster. You've got some who want great RP moments and are go, can go weeks without rolling a die. Yeah, They're the ones who are going, who are going to want the melodrama of those frightened kids being rescued from the scary monster and being returned to the weeping, frightened mothers who thought that that was the last time they'd seen their little babies.
1: Exactly. They, you know? They're going to buy into that there. There's going to be people who are want to want a tell a story. There's going to be someone who's going to want to be that power fantasy person who steps out and becomes heroic by defeating the monster in the cave and standing triumphantly back in town with the children wrapped around them in the dawn when everybody wakes up. You know, exactly. That's Cape
0: flowing in the wind. Exactly. And... Yeah. You know, their golden
1: hair, you know.
0: Um, and you're, you know, you're going to want to talk about your, talk to your players about the specific things that they're looking for out of the game. Um, uh, you know, because first off, like I said, everybody wants something different out of the game and you're not necessarily going to know this off the top of your head. No. You know, um, there's a, uh, a thing I think a lot of people who have ever ever taught anybody anything you know trainers at work and yep. whatnot um, know that there is uh, science behind how people learn mm-hmm. you know some people learn visually, mm-hmm. some people learn by doing, some people learn, can learn learn by a, example yep. things like that um, and knowing how you learn best um, helps a teacher teach you in a way that you will learn that you will learn best yep. and it's kind of the same thing with storytelling, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Everybody gets something different out of the game, so you as the storyteller are kind of in that trainer position mm-hmm. where you want to know what type of players you've got sitting at the table. You mm-hmm. want to know what components of your story they get, are going to get the most excitement out of, and therefore you'll know where their buy-in is going to be, okay? Mm-hmm. If you've got a bunch of crunch combat monsters, you know you can throw monsters at them to fight all day long, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but on the other hand, if you've got a bunch of you know people who just love melodrama and and you know want to get involved in those those dramatic story beats and have romance and 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 horror and you yeah. know all those all those high, highs and lows of emotion, well then you know you want to you want to you know re- lean into your NPCs you know and really
1: write rich characters that they can get to know and get involved and invest mm-hmm. in you know mm-hmm. and. That is a balance on its own of having all of those things in play with everybody at your table. And some people will lean into others, and you'll 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 get the idea that you ha- might have to spotlight a little bit of combat, and then a little bit of drama, and then a little bit of this. And you'll find people will bend in different directions because it's entertaining. Yeah, absolutely. It's the entertainment that they want mm-hmm. for that moment. And some people will change for a specific show. Like, we do it with uh, a lot of our shows. We'll start off with how is everybody doing? Just that day. Yeah. What are you looking for? Do you want this to be a low impact game? Are you ready for story? You vibe know, check. Yeah, it's a straight up vibe check at the beginning of the game, because you may have an, an idea that, you know, this person is really going to want drama. So you've got that ready to go. You, this person wants combat. So you've got a little extra combat you know in, involved in this chase. You know, this person is really going to be into, you know, making sure that their character gets the spotlight, you know, so you've got some options there where they can step up into that, mm-hmm. you know, all of those things. And then you come to hit the table and whatever happened last week is kind of dulled everybody they're yeah. all tired they're all you know maybe it rained maybe the weather was bad power was out so they were struggling and like now they're all like okay i'm i'm really tired about this can we can we maybe just tone it down a little this week and do something simple and you're like yeah let's let's roll this back sure and just you, we have to switch it up a little bit mm-hmm. um there, there's also there's also an aspect of buy in um
0: Not just for the individual game, like you were just explaining, Mm -hmm. but for the scope of a specific
1: game or story. Oh, like one-shots versus campaigns. Yes. Or an an adventure series. Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: So, like, for one-shots, for instance, um, a type of buy-in that you're going to be asking for, uh, like, we all have an agreement that this isn't an open world. Right. You know, we're all here to tell a very specific story for this one-shot. We've got four hours to start and complete the story. Right. Let's try to keep it on the rails as much as possible. Let's lean into the story. If I say you you're standing in front of the haunted house, that's where the story is. Don't say my character leaves and goes to the bar. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. And I, I think that happens that that understanding comes a lot tighter at things like conventions and this like that, where, you know, you've got the hard time. Yes. Like yes. when you're hanging out with your friends. You have to state that that's what it is ahead of time. You have to make that kind of commitment, mm-hmm. and at the same time, get a little ad- advanced buy-in on like what they're going to want out of it. Yeah, because although you're telling that story and you're planning it one shot, and this is what you're expecting to do with it, you need to know from them what they're looking for out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for for longer games too, uh. I think one of the
0: big one of the big areas of buy in is you're asking for an agreement that we are. We're all going to create a character that fits in the scope of the story or the world. Yeah. Um. So like no hobbits. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean that from a from a race racial standpoint. I mean that from the standpoint of an archetype
1: in the hobbit.
0: Uh. Yeah. No. Like we're a band of dwarves. Fine. I'm making a hobbit that doesn't want to go on the journey okay that sounds like fun yeah you that's know? gonna be great conversely no 13th warriors yeah uh, we're a band of Vikings who are going off on us on a you know thing to, to slay our enemies uh I make an Arabian poet yeah cool you know you have no combat abilities none, none whatsoever whatsoever um no brooding lone wolf edge lords that don't talk to anyone else or Dude. narcissists who wouldn't want to go and rescue kids that have been kidnapped
1: yeah and and no PvP like and no PvP. Don't don't backstab each other. Like these are the things that you set up within your story. Now, on the other hand, if you're running like an amber campaign where you're expecting those types of things, stating what you're okay with and what you're expecting. You know, you're expecting them to be cut throat with each other yeah. as the story goes on. Great. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. Dune might be the same way. Like there is there are secrets between you and there are secrets without you. Figure you guys are going to have have dramatic moments. Make sure that you're very clear that this is in character or out. Yep. And do not stab each other out of character. Yep. That's it. Yep. Like, you know, and that's those are the types of things you present before the story starts, before the first character gets thought of. Yeah. So that they know going into character creation that they're ready. That they yeah. have not only the guides for character creation, but they have a full understanding of what the story really is and what their part in it is. Well, exactly.
0: Because the, the, better, the better equipped they are going into character creation, uh, from, from a storyteller standpoint, the more you arm them with information about what the campaign is going to involve, the more chance that they're going to have fun in that campaign. You know, mm-hmm. If you sit down and say, hey, we're going to play some D&D, I can, I, can, I can draw some inferences there. But yeah. if you say, this is going to be a mystery... Mm -hmm. I think to myself, oh, cool, maybe I'll make an Inquisitive Rogue or Mm -hmm. I'll I'll make a Divination Wizard, you know, classes that that specialize in information gathering and usage.
1: Well, even if you go beyond that, like we were talking about, you set up a general theme like, hey, we're going to be doing an Expanse style game. So it's going to feel very tense where like the vacuum of space sucks. Yeah, like that's going to be and it's going to be empires and corporations versus the common man and you will all be the common man whether you've been forced down to it or you've grown up to a point where you're not just the typical common man Mm -hmm. you know that's the kind of feel that i'm looking for out of this that that paints a clean picture and starts them down the road of building that character in their mind yeah yeah absolutely and then you as a storyteller feel better it always like looking back on some of even my earliest stories that is some of the the things that made them not work well because i had random people making random characters in a giant massive setting and then trying to tell a mystery story with people who didn't give two hoots about the mystery because their characters never did yeah like you can't get
0: to where you need to go you get you get all that randomness in there, and it's like trying to get people to agree on pizza toppings, you know? Oh, my God, yeah. You want to tell one cohesive story, but, you know, somebody wants anchovies, and somebody wants peppers, and somebody can't have peppers, and somebody wants a meat pizza, you know, and, yeah.
1: and somebody's a vegan. Yeah, or or <clears> the, the one example that I gave earlier, which was like, you know, hey, uh, Friday night, uh, we're going to go – do you guys want to all go out to dinner? I found this place called Espelio. Oh, okay. Oh, so I'll meet you guys there. Here's the address. And nobody looks the place up because whatever, they can't find it. So they all make assumptions. One person, you know, one couple gets very dressed up because it's a night out. Mm-hmm. Like That's what this person said, right? And then somebody else is like a spello. It sounds Spanish. I mean, maybe it's Mexican food. Yeah. And so they're like, all right, well, you know, I'll just dress casual, whatever it'll be, you know, but maybe we'll get some drinks, you know, kind of a thing. And then the last person's like, yeah, I'm wearing T-shirts and a drink. And everybody shows up. And it's a buffet. Just a buffet. Oh, I I just picked this place because I figured anybody could get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an okay buffet. That's the thing. That now everyone is ha, already has mixed expectations and mixed feelings. The couple who literally got a sitter to go to a buffet with their friends on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, th- great. you know. But now you're here and everyone has those odd feelings. If you set them up for success by letting them know as much as you can... They feel better about making those characters and feel more driven into it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and and you're and you're also
0: set up for more success too because you have more more heroic moments when you have the skills to interact with the type of story that you're looking for. Yep. You know, like I said earlier about like an inquisitive rogue or a divination wizard in a mystery story is like, you know, you're. You're going to have those moments where, like, okay, uh, you're going to have to find the one clue in this room, and you're like, I just rolled a 28 on my investigation check. Fantastic. Why? Because I've got a skill that gives me advantage, and I've Mm -hmm. got proficiency and expertise in it, et cetera. You know, I've got the skills to do a high
1: investigation check, and that makes me feel like a hero in the scope of the story. Right, and the other part of that is that makes you, as a storyteller, easily understanding where the weaknesses and strengths are. Yes, it makes it easier to tell the story without a doubt. Yep. Now, is this all just railroading? Well, how do you do this all without railroading? Is the big question. I feel like, I, I feel like a lot of people would feel like this is pigeonholing and railroading because you're not giving, you know, a proper agency, if you will. They can't just be whatever they want to be.
0: Listeners, so let's let's talk about railroad. storytellers. Yeah. Gather 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 around the gather around the podcast here. Yeah. We're well, going to get on our box cuz we've good you in don't. a little closer here. We're going to have a little talk about this word railroading
1: and how many times it gets misused.
0: Um because okay, so like, I was even listening to um Brendan Lee Mulligan. Oh, uh, you named him probably my my favorite my favorite storyteller. And no, I'm not. I'm not calling him out. I'm I just know, using him I as a, the, the reason I'm using him as, as an example is because I, I, he is the storyteller I hold in highest esteem. Okay. 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 And so that that being said, I consider him someone extraordinarily learned in the art of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I heard him misuse the term uh, railroading. Mm-hmm. And again, not not a call out post, just a, just a, a as an example of like like hey, even even Brennan misuses it sometimes. that's how common it is you know that's fair, that's fair. um so let's be let's be very clear about what we're talking about when we say railroading, okay It is removing the player's agency and forcing your plot to happen regardless of the pc's choices okay and that's the important part. Okay. Putting the PCs in a situation where they don't, or they don't feel like they have a choice one way or another. Okay. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes you are put to the wall, you know, um, that in and of itself isn't railroading. Railroading is like, I want you guys to go through door A. Okay. Well, we don't want to go through door A. We go through door B. Uh, door B is locked. Okay. We go through door C then. Uh, Door C is, uh, um... Doesn't go anywhere. It, does, it doesn't go anywhere. It's a, There's it's a closet. There. Okay, so the only door left is door A? Yeah. Okay, I guess we go through, we door, go through a. door A. Yeah. You know, that's railroading. Mm-hmm. When, you st- when, when you give your players a choice, mm-hmm. and they don't choose the thing you want, and then you force them to go back and change their choice so that it's the choice you wanted them to make. Right. Okay. Now, there are ways around this. Mm-hmm. There are things that skirt, the thing the, the realm of railroading, but the important part is is that when you do these things the players don't know that they're being railroaded into a choice there's the illusion of free will, and we'll get to that in a moment you know but the 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 players never feel like they lose agency
1: right you know yeah, if you had a room full of bad guys who were waiting for them in the warehouse and your players you know don't go through the door into the warehouse so you instead they decide that they're going to go into you know uh the 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 you know officer quarters to to steal clothes and try and blend in and you just move all of those guys into the officer quarters is that railroading no that's quantum ogres correct that's quantum ogres cuz you literally <laughs> put them in a different room on the other hand if you like oh, yeah, you took a wrong turn going to the officer's quarters and find yourself in, in an a open, warehouse. open warehouse. Yeah. Okay, that's that's literally taking away the fact that they wanted to go to the officer's quarters to do something specific, and you literally forced them away from it. Yep. 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 Okay, so
0: that is railroading. That
1: is railroading. Um, Things that are not railroading.
0: Yep. Events unfolding that are out of your PC's control. A dramatic event. A dramatic event. Sometimes things happen. Do you think that Jack and Rose on the Titanic had any say in whether it hit the the uh, the, the, the iceberg or not? Nope. Nope. That's called a hard move. Yep. Sometimes yep. they happen. Um, um. the PCs do not always have to have a say or or the agency to affect everything in your
1: world. Another one for me is Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Gimli and uh Legolas literally like watching the explosive come up to the wall and trying to stop it. mm mm-hmm. Mhm doesn't immediately tell them, hey, there are explosives in this. We'll use those later. No. It was a dramatic event. It was meant to show something specific. It was not meant to change the world so that you guys could start using explosives. Right, right, right. And, right. and researching them. You know, that's that's the difference there.
0: Uh, let's see here. Obvious plot hooks that fall into their laps Yeah, are not railroading. No. Just because someone walks in and goes, hey, you look like stalwart adventurers. I want to hire you for this job. That's not, you're not railroading them into taking the job. They can still say no. Mm -hmm. There's still a dozen ways they can do the job, even if they take it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But but walking up to them and handing them a plot hook to their faces, not railroading. Yep. Uh, Realistic consequences of PCs, actions, or inactions. Yeah. If you do a thing, and then that thing comes back to bite you in the butt, that is not railroading. That's just the consequences of your actions.
1: Yeah, if, if the town has a guard, and there are rules in the town probably about murder, and you commit murder because you wanted to kill everybody in the bar, guess what? You're gonna go to jail or have to murder the entire town. Yeah, and and when 50 guards
0: show up to apprehend you because you're a level 12 adventurer and they know what level 12 adventurers get like... Yeah. You know, when you can bend time and space, they're going to send more than two dudes.
1: Yeah, or they literally go to the 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 highest noble and ask him to get a sorcerer to ensorcel you. Yeah, yeah, that that happens. Well, you
0: railroaded me into the jail. No, we didn't.
1: No, you didn't. Nobody. You literally, literally your literally... reputation preceded you. <laughs> <laughs> we literally just used the right tool for the job. Now, on the other hand, well in jail, if the if the guy comes to you and says, "I'll let you out if you do this job for me," again. That's a plot hook. That's a plot hook. That's not, that would that's have happened whether they were in jail or not. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, I've got
0: uh, NPCs being insistent that the PCs follow a course of action. Just because my NPC is yelling at you that you need to go and do this thing right now doesn't mean the storyteller is railroading you into doing that thing. right? Sometimes people just yell at you. Yeah,
1: like... And you can again still say no. You can still say no. You can walk away, and they can still consider you a you jerk. Can, you can even choose how to do that thing.
0: Yeah, but uh, being insistent that you that you have to do a thing right now is not is not railroading.
1: Do so you um, ever let your players buy themselves out of being arrested? I think it would depend on the situation. It really depends on the situation. One hundred percent depends on the situation. So
0: uh, I, I think uh, if you're talking about beat cops, you know, town watch sort of. Dude, sort of always, 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 yeah, the, always.
1: The dingier the town, the easier it is to do it. Ten gold should
0: cover this. I did not see a thing. Yep. Cool. Yep. Have a good night, Have officer. Nice
1: night. Yep. <laughs> Best yet, that guy doesn't take that ten gold. He immediately goes and gives it to the g- gives it to the homeless or or gives it to the shelter. Because he knows why you're there and what's going on, but at the same time has a heart for the city. Yep. <laughs> so.
0: Uh, all right. So we we talked. We're throwing the word agency around a lot. Yeah. Um, in in this uh, sort of a railroading discussion here. Uh, so what are? Let's talk a little bit about like the importance of agency, um, versus like following your plot. Like, what is more important: giving your players agency
1: or doing the thing that you wrote in your notes? So I think that right there, the statement of doing the thing you wrote in your notes is the problem that we've always discussed, which is you've gone too far. Oh, yeah. You've you've no longer said this is the motivation and direction. You're saying these are the events that are about to transpire. Right, right. Putting somebody into a situation is not writing out the entire events to say, okay, now that they're in the situation, they're either going to leave it this way or this way, which will lead them to this thing or this thing, which will then cause them to make these decisions to do this or this. You're, you're literally crafting... A story. hmm A choose your own adventure book where they don't get agency. They get choices. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the problem is you flat out, if you're doing this in your games, stop it. And and this is this is really what does lead to railroading. Mm-hmm. This is this is the straight
0: line straight to railroading, is because if you've you've spent all this time and energy preparing these intricate chain of events that you want the stories the, the story to follow and the players to experience, and then if your players use their agency to go a different direction now suddenly you feel put on the spot because first off they're off script and second off that also means that the thing that you wrote isn't going to happen and you're either feeling panicked because you don't feel up to improv mm-hmm. the the actual scene or you're feeling slighted because you, you had this great
1: idea and they, they should experience the great idea mm-hmm. you know it's it's you creating expectations, expectations that are unrealistically, unrealistic and unagreed to, unagreed un- to. And 90% of all stress related to relationships. And I will flat out say at the table, it is a relationship. It is. You have a relationship with your players is the fact that you have said an, you have said an un, un, uh, mutually committed expectation. Yeah. And at that point, Yeah. You're gonna be upset because you think that this is the way it should have happened and they have no idea what you're thinking. no idea what you've got written down there and they don't know that you've
0: that they've just quote unquote messed it up for you you yeah. know And so then you're put in this position where you're either you're either have to um, uh, you have to to uh, improv the entire scene. Or you then have to force the PCs. You have to railroad them back into the situation that you'd already written down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So what is the easy solution to this?
1: She asked knowingly. (laughs) You don't plan for a concrete outcome. You do not script things. Yeah. You uh, You have it in your notes that says, when this is done, however it's done, this is the next. And that's it. You have a a direction and a vector to go in, and whether that's a person, a place, a thing, a ritual, whatever, Mm -hmm. you just have to accept that the events that will transpose to make that event occur is not going to be what you write. Yeah. They will always come up with something. It may be close to what you did. Sure. Or what you might think they're doing. Sure. But you can't plan for that if in you, any way. If you way. know
0: your players well enough, and you know their characters well enough, and how they play those characters, you know, and stuff like that, you can, you can make some pretty educated guesses, mm-hmm. and that makes your note <clears throat> writing and your scenario writing a lot easier. Um, but uh, really, you shouldn't be writing, you know, this will happen, and then this will happen. It's more like, this is the setup for the situation. Here are a couple possible outcomes. <clears throat> right. If it goes in this direction... Here's some notes about what might happen if it goes in this direction. Here's some notes, but that's about the
1: best you can do, so, and it's all you should be doing. Right. Is now is this where you'd like to interject my adventure? Uh, the yeah, my th- adventure? well, there's
0: there's a couple places that I want that I wanted to talk about. Um, uh, sure. uh
1: bo- actually both of our adventures. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you definitely had that.
0: Um, so, uh, your adventure specifically. Um, we were talking yes. a little bit of earlier. Uh, so the the setup was. The we we'd come across these cultists that mm-hmm. venerated death. Mm-hmm. Not death in a murderous way, but death as in a gentle passing, a, a force of nature death. Yes. Um these were more like your average hospice workers mm-hmm. rather than like murder cultists. One hundred percent. Okay. So they were like, Hey, um our God kind of disappeared a while ago, so we were going to do this elaborate thing to try to reach out and touch and 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 get in touch with them. Yep. Um, and we're like, oh, no, that's cool. We absolutely respect that. Also, we kind of know what's going on with why your god disappeared. So we kind of want to help you with this because it serves our needs, too. The problem is you guys are using an artifact we need. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you use it to contact your god, it will destroy this artifact. Uh, we respect your desire to so- to to use it. But can we work out a solution between the two of us where we help you contact your god but you do it not using the artifact um, in a way that you can give it to us afterwards.
1: Now, from my perspective in writing this scenario, all I did was I am going to present them with death cultists who need to do a ritual using this object. And the, and because it's a ritual, it's going to use up the object. Yep. That was literally it. I had the motivation that the death cultist said, this is the one time of the season where all of these energies combine, we have to do it tonight, or we're going to lose our opportunity that happens once in a hundred years, at least, to try and use the energies, because we're not that strong. Yeah, and it, it,
0: that, that putting that time clock on us made it so that we couldn't just be like, well, let's go bring the artifact back to the
1: city, yep. and then we can just give it right back to you like, next week. Right. Like You ran across these people doing this event. They had planned for it. Like This group was basically another adventuring group that had had planned an event, had gotten the things to the right place at the right time so that nobody would mess with them, and then you walk out of the woods and they're like a little questioning, but at the same time, the whole point that they're doing this is they're not strong enough to do it themselves. Yeah, And there's other problems in the woods, so they've really only got one chance to try this Yeah, and see what's going on. And it's not like they're trying to do something... Harmful, they're literally just trying to contact their god so that one of them can get away with the information to communicate to the rest of their cult mm-hmm. and let them know what's going on. So it's a humdinger of a problem. And I didn't, I, I sat there and went, Do I care how you guys figure this out? And I had to literally say, No, all that matters is that the ritual goes off, and I'm going to set one stipulate or two stipulations one. If the artifact is used, it will be used up in it. There's nothing that's going to be able to correct that. Yep. Two, um, something has to be there to be powerful enough to charge this, and it has to be bound to death in some way. Yep. Like, that has to be part of it. And then lastly, I want to make sure that all four of the players, all, all four of the NPCs that I have are part of the ritual. Mm-hmm. If one of them drops, that's going to break the ritual. So it has to be replaced quickly. That has to be a known thing. Okay, there we go. That's all my requirements. You know, I'm not going to say that the ritual is going to fail, but there will be consequences. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to make... Now, you also know that there are monsters in the woods. I'm flat out going to tell you that they've been chomping through this area, and they're going to come back. Yep. And I went, all right, let's see what they do. Sure. And and that was it. That was literally it. That's all the direction that I had with it. I had a few ideas of, okay, once the ritual is successful what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I wrote some pieces for that, but I had to write enough that how who was involved. Mm-hmm. Like who could be involved? What's the rough way that I want to visualize well, this? Well, let
0: me let me sum this one up for you because it's something I say all the time, mm-hmm. and that is you don't have to write the actions Correct. of all of your of all of your NPCs. You just have to know what their motivations are and what their directions are know how your pieces move when they're pushed against. Exactly. So let me ask you this, as sure. the person who wrote the scenario. Um, we know what the cultists did when we offered to help them. Yep. What would have happened if we were aggressive with them?
1: If you were to push the cultists, mm-hmm. they would have probably tried to do a little defense, and it would have turned into a chase. Because, again, they needed to protect the MacGuffin. Sure. But, to- but you... But you knew that. Because their whole thing was, we have one shot at this. Yep, I, We need to take care of this and do the best that we can. So your notes were basically,
0: they will be mistrustful at first, but yep. willing to accept help. Yep. Willing to accept a bargain if it looks like it will work in their favor. Yep. And will flee from active danger. Correct. And boom. Y- and like, that's all you needed to write yep. to extrapolate that into an entire hour whether and a half long. Whether you steal
1: it, whether you do whatever, all of that was going to be part of the thing. Yeah. You know, oh, okay. You you end up roughing them and stealing it and telling them you're sorry. Okay, great. You you're sorry you left him in the woods. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I now know how that death cult feels about you. But that's mm-hmm. it. It's over. You sure. guys move on. Sure, that's one hundred percent valid. Yeah. You know, ooh woo. <laughs> but but the fact is, you didn't you
0: didn't write all these reactions down. You Not just, in the least. Just made some notes about how they what their motivations were and what they were what they would react to different a, a few common stimuli.
1: And then you're done. Yeah. And you you can improv all the rest of that. Yeah. And literally, I set you guys at a situation to start the game where you could talk about it. Mm -hmm. I kind of presented things through the other cultists before you got to that scenario so that you'd have time to really... As a group, make a decision the direction you were going to step through yeah. so that everybody was on the same page yeah. enough that you didn't have, like, a lone wolf going, like, well, I'm going to go sneak over and steal it from the guy mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. snatch it off the table and we can make a run for it. And then everybody else is standing around like, did he just steal that? Bye! You know, kind of a thing. Yeah, And And that's what I wanted to present. Not that I expected that out of the group in any way, but I wanted that if that was it, that you guys could fringe it or whatever, sure. you know, and, and sure. handle that situation the way you wanted to.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the other one of the other great things about uh, about this, and this is kind of where I want to segue into my own game. Here, sure. Um, is that uh, a lot of times when you offer your players this sort of agency, you can get results that are unexpected, but in a very good way. Oh, very much so. Um, a lot of times so we've talked about this before. Your players will come up with ideas that you okay. never would have come up with on your own. Yep. Because, uh, quite honestly, <laughs> I don't. I, I'm I'm sure I'm sure you'll agree with this statement. Sometimes you get up your own ass about your uh, about your plot so mm-hmm. much that like you lose you lose the forest for the trees.
1: Oh, oh, so far.
0: And so you're so you're concentrating on oh this this one little narrow out conception you have of your plot that you don't take into account that sometimes your players have just slightly different motivations than yours and will will absolutely just open that can in a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things that came out of that in my game um was this upcoming scenario with this vampire uh count of the uh neighboring town that you guys had interacted with. Uh before you had your kind of final, final confrontation with him the last time, um, uh, Sean's character, uh, organically, entirely unprompted, mm-hmm. I, I did not even – I didn't even set the scene up. He just did it on his own, went and basically said, hey, um, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You said you're looking for, you know, information about, you know, a research projects and stuff like that. We have a portal to Apocrypha, the biggest – extra-dimensional library in existence, you want to you wanna come poke around over there mm-hmm. and take a look and see if you can find the information you're looking for? And he's like, yeah. shit, would I?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all answers are there. Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's literally an infinite library. Why would I say no, you know? Right. Um, I had no idea that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I had planned that the whole Hasseldor plot would happen. Mm-hmm. And would be done. Mm-hmm. That was unless you guys revisited Skingrad, where uh, where he is count of, you wouldn't have seen him again. I I consider that that plot a a tied up you know a tied up thread. Yeah. This has given me an opportunity, however, as a storyteller to, um, give him uh, an extended cameo, mm-hmm. a, a guest starring appearance, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, in a uh, in an episode or two here, and we've got like four or five game sessions worth of uh, pathos behind mm-hmm. behind this character where you yeah. guys you guys all have some pretty strong opinions to the point where I when I mentioned he was gonna be coming along on this expedition three or four of you at the table went ah shit
1: because um, we all had different ideas of what that meant. Yeah. And none of it was like, this is not going to be comfortable. Yeah, it's all going to be very
0: uncomfortable because last time you saw him, you almost tried to kill him. Very uncomfortable indeed. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> a <laughs> <was> super uncomfortable <laughs> dinner party. Um, And, uh,. So, but, but yeah, but, but you wouldn't have had that reaction. No, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have had the opportunity to present this like second comeback of this character, it's, you know, Yeah, it,
1: it, it, it's, it was very organic. It was very, very well presented. Cause like my character didn't know that he made that deal. Mm-hmm. Rob did, but my character didn't. So when it nope. happened, I immediately went to character thought of. I'm going to have to see the guy who literally threw me out of his house after I nearly ran him through with a sword and offered to murder his wife after. Yeah. This is going to be awkward. Welp. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward. I mean, it's been a few months, but that's still a lot of like, that's going to simmer. That's yeah. going to simmer for a little while. Like, yeah. you know, but that's the thing is, is that organically that presents options that you, You'd never have had thought of that. Were never part of anything. You were there. Yeah, so this presents us with that concept of you're building a scaffolding. You're building you're building direction and motivation and vectors. You're not building story. You're not writing complete scenes. You're writing a scenario. You're giving some events and adding some stipulations. But not so much that your players can't do it. So in my situation, you guys went ahead and created an illusion over the existing area so that it didn't look like you were there. Mm-hmm. Like, and that worked flawlessly because again, anybody coming into that area, any of the other monsters, wouldn't have noticed you guys were there at all. Y'all yep. hid inside the illusion, save one of you, and then I dangled my uh, my my uh, ice golem right. Out. To say, like, don't come walking into the illusion, go after that thing that's just wandering around, which honestly kind of fits for what was going on in the space. There was all kinds of weird stuff showing up, and they were all about murdering random things. Yeah. So it gave a speed bump for some very dangerous creatures. Yeah. And then you guys worked your way through the scenario, and again, I had to keep in my mind that they can't see anything inside of that illusion. There was nothing that was telling them that there was anything there. Mm Mm-hmm. You guys were literally stepping out from behind rocks, and and handling the situation handily. Yeah. So for for me, it was a it was a wonderful presentation, and I just rolled with it. I had no problem with any aspect of it, and it was fun. It was a great encounter. Mm-hmm. You guys had a really good time with it and got to play. You felt the stress that was there, but like I didn't change anything about the encounter. I didn't have to. No. No, it didn't. just rolled through, and then I let the scenario end. And what was interesting was you didn't have your cleric through that whole fight. Yeah, our cleric
0: was the offering we made up. Yeah, uh, it was a death, basically a death cleric. So we're like, uh use that, uh, yeah. use him instead of the, uh, uh, instead of the artifact. He's got a direct channel to his own death
1: god. Yeah, like w- might hurt him. I'm willing to take that hit. Yep. Yeah. O- okay. Okay. Like, Let's, let's make do the this sacrifice. Thing. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. So that was enough of a sell of like, oh, you're willing to invest everything. You're mm-hmm. willing to invest one of your own. Yes, by all means. Let's let's do this then. Yep. You know that's and it worked. And I I said it worked because I felt that it was as good as anything else. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's no reason why this shouldn't work in my Don't mind. Right. Plots or
0: stories. Right.
1: Situations. Yep. Right. Scenarios. Right. Write obstacles. Yeah. And be prepared for their ch- for your players to change them and just smile and be like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let them let them be the hero. Yeah. You know? Um one of the things I,
0: I kinda mentioned earlier, like the, the illusion of free will. Mm. Um I've talked about this a little bit earlier. Um uh is is so it's kind of where you skirt the edge of railroading,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and this Quantum is kind of, ogres, kind of where yeah. Quantum Ogres comes yeah. in. Yeah, Quantum Ogres is the, the, the idea that you can move an obstacle up to the point that the characters interact with it, because the characters don't know where the obstacle should be placed. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you know, well, we, go, we want to go to the warehouse. Okay, well, I wanted you guys to go into the into the barracks where all the, uh, where all the, the soldiers are, but if you're going to the warehouse, that's cool. The soldiers can be in the warehouse.
1: They're moving something. They're moving some whatever. I'll find a reason for them being in the warehouse, but that's where the fight's going to yeah. take place now, or, you know. Or like, oh, you're looking for that se- the secret notes, you know, and the, you know, for whatever at the party. Uh, you know, they were in the cabinet. But you're 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 rifling through the desk and picking its lock. Get, okay, it's there now. Sure, they're in the desk now. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. I
0: look behind the painting in the, in the, in the safe. Sure, they're in the safe now, yep. you know?
1: Yeah, they're where they need doesn't to It doesn't matter.
0: You searched, you found them. That's the important part, you know? Um, and that's kind of where we're talking about the 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 illusion of free will, um, is, is making your players never feel like they've been hooked, mm-hmm. making it always feel like everything was their idea to do, right. you know? Moving those soldiers to you know have the encounter it makes it feel like they chose to go to the warehouse and ah darn that's where the soldiers were right they don't know that you moved the encounter right you know I'm rifling through the desk okay cool you find the clue oh was it supposed to be in the safe no no nobody knows where that clue is supposed to be the important part is you came up with the idea of searching the desk you found the clue you feel like you had agency use that agency to find the clue you're the big damn hero
1: Yeah. And I think this leans back into the rule of cool, like your players now see that the the warehouse is loaded with thing, you know, loaded with troops and their thing is in the warehouse. Okay, so one of them gets the idea of I'm going to go start a fire in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. which is going to pull a bunch of those guys away. You know what? That sounds cool. Sure. Go try it. Yeah, let's do it. And it works. Why? Because it's a cool thing. And honestly, that sounds pretty cool to me. Knox in the uh, in the live chat says, uh, "Let the dust of deliciousness
0: happen." Oh, that for, was for, fantastic. For those
1: of you who know, know the cupcake heard ra- around the world. It was the cupcake heard around the world, and we we talked about this. Like when you're watching uh, live plays and you see that moment where the storyteller kind of tenses or breathes funny when the players do something weird and they're all laughing. That's them recalculating, right on the spot. Of okay, what can I? What is the motivation? Does the, is this cool? Everybody's enjoying it. Let's move on. Yeah. I've
0: had uh probably well over a thousand hours watching Matt Mercer storytell. Yeah. And uh I know the exact look on his face he gets when something like that happens. And it's yeah. this sort of bemused but confused smile right. that he gets of like, Okay, I'm into it. I'm I'm into the fact that you just flip my plot on end. Let me do some quick thinking and I'm confused, but I'm into it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, uh, let
1: me think. It, it, okay, yeah, no, that'll work. Roll me this. Yeah. You know? Like, you guys pulling the person back through the gate. Yeah. Like, it worked. Nobody and expects it was, divine and it, intervention. And it was critical. It was a critical success. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to need a minute on this one. Yeah. Like, like you, I have to think. You ended the game right there, basically. Yeah. Because you needed, like, a month to think about it. You right. Know? Like, what is this going to affect? How is this going to change things? How is this going to work? Right. So that it feels like it's the right thing. Yeah. And it... There's still weight to that decision, like what it's going to mean and, and how that can be used for you. You haven't, you guys haven't leaned back into it yet, mm-hmm. but there's weight there. Yeah. Like if you want it, there's weight. Yep. So, I what I'm going to say about the rule of cool is if you look at your players doing something neat and you're like, I wish I was on that side of the table enjoying it with them, be there with them. Be there with them. Just you're a player c- at the table too. Go just ahead. Accept it and roll with that. Yep. Enjoy it. Oh, you're oh, right. The comprehend languages. I wanted to bring this one up. So specifically in regards to this, yeah, yeah, there was a scenario on Reddit where someone had literally written a mechanical question. All it was was a mechanical question that their one of the players in the group had basically, uh, you know, written down the glyphs that they found at a temple. Sure, because they, nobody they transcribed the yeah, and then presented that to a wizard. In the like two, like two, uh, you know, later on, a couple uh, day, you know, um, events later, and the person did a comprehend languages. And the question was, would that work? And everybody was just like, yeah, it'll work. Like, well, I don't see a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, is that you could tell that this writer was questioning whether it should or shouldn't work. And my question was, why did you present it as something that they could do? That was my very first question. Like, it's there. you gave them something and let them do it. Okay, they're interested. Lean into this shit. yeah, like yeah, it, it, are you prepared or you just not prepared to give them information? Fine, make it cryptic, but give it weight.-. Mm-hmm. you know whether or not it is directly about the plot or not is 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 what is important. It has to have some some value. Yeah, yeah. because the two things are never lock lore behind a challenge. And two, at the end of a mystery, don't hand them a bag of dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> like that's it. So, like, if if well, you run somebody through something and they roll dice and they do something cool, don't hand them a, t- a turd burger at the end. Uh, aside aside from the fact of like, just let let them. It's
0: just a note you know right. let them decipher some glyphs it's fine yeah like give what, them some lore why wh- what does it serve you to say no in this instance your players are digging for further information about your plot like let them have it you it, know in a place that you built yeah whether it's virtual not whatever you you built this it reminds me of a uh of a discussion i saw around savage worlds where somebody was like uh you know am i reading this right that if a player has the uh I forgot was it the respite ability or something like that is some some power that was in the power set basically allows you to if you if it's the first thing you cast in the day um to remove a level of fatigue, which basically means that nobody has to sleep hmm um you can just go without sleep you know because or or you don't have to get a full eight hours of sleep or something like that you know, and they're like, doesn't that seem overpowered, and they're like N- no. You're talking about expending like four of your possibly ten power points first thing in the morning. You're buying the arcane background. You're buying that power of one of the three powers you get with arcane background right. magic. Right. Right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like you have to invest all this stuff just to duplicate a strong cup of coffee every morning. <laughs> no, why? Why are you? Why are you interested in stopping your players from that?
1: Yeah. You know? Sure. And and honestly, there's a lot of reasons why a player might have invested, why a character might have invested that much in doing that because they want more knowledge. Yeah.
0: Lean let, into it. Let them have it. It's okay. Yeah. Not everything needs to be said no to and, you know, the game broken. So that just, let them, let them have a
1: nice thing if you're and you know? Whatever. Yeah. it's And believe me, there are ways around fatigue. They can have a little Magicka as a treat. Right. Let's get to some questions. Nevim, Nevim, Nevim. We love you. Never. Thank you for the questions. These are lovely. Starting right off, can you hook players without making it personal for their characters? One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. Not. It's, f- it's probably better if it's personal. But honestly, it, I hook more players than I hook characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's flat on as it's flat on as truth. I mean,
0: there's a certain amount of buy-in. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a number of times in which I could very, very easily justify my character saying, you know what? Not my circus, not my monkeys. We're moving on. Yeah. Uh, but the player knows that this is something that she should probably get
1: involved in. So, right. no, you know, the, the, the character has chosen to care. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Is hooking and engaging your players linked to some kind of plot? Uh, A.K.A. Do you need to create or have plot in mind in order to get the players engaged? Engagement. Not at all.
0: No. Not at all. Um, And I will tell you why. I've got um, some, like, low-level teen high school melodrama (laughs) going on in the Mages Guild right now, and a little (laughs) bit in the Fighters Guild as well. It's true. Um, It is something that I deliberately threw in with my NPCs, basically just to make the guilds feel more alive, and make you feel like you are the only real characters in the guilds, you know? No, Um, I
1: I think it was a great way to create community, and create investment, and have things ready for the future. Mm-hmm. Have weight, yeah, and value for the future.
0: Uh, exactly, and I mean it's it's laying it's laying the groundwork a lot right now in Act Two for me, but mm-hmm. in Act One it was literally like. Um, Mirabelle has a crush on Tulsi, but Tulsi doesn't know that Mirabelle exists. She's got a crush on Vedran, but Vedran has eyes for Lyrilith, and then Lyrilith gave a box to Mirabelle to give to Tulsi, but then Tulsi didn't want the box, so Mirabelle shattered the box, and Lyrilith was upset because that was her box. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Like, that was the whole thing. (laughs) Right. And that was impressive and at the same time we were all like oh no had dios
0: mío no- <laughs> nothing to do with any plot but like everybody cared everybody was like oh poor mirabelle a little yep. wee lamb oh yep. a little heartbroken you know
1: yep yep um, oh, that's and that's yeah. that's the kind of stuff that you can sell especially when you have the availability to community like mm-hmm. if your players are playing in a specific area like where the scope of the world is tighter this is fantastic stuff yeah especially if you can get your players to come home, come to a home position Yes, that you can do a lot with that. I <laughs> watched a lot of deep space nine, man. I'm familiar with this move. Yeah, no. And, and I will say that I, if you really want to have really good player investment, make them come home. Oh yeah. Make them come home. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: all right. So I've noticed this week's title mentioned without railroading.
0: What are the traps in railroading when trying to build a player's engagement?
1: So, uh, first things first, do not take agency from your players. Railroading is where you take, especially with a character directly, is where you do not get the players' buy-in when dealing with their backstory. Mm -hmm. And you drive them at something. If if, If a player looks at you and says, you know, hey, I don't know my parents... Um, you know, and I'm really not interested in going after that because it's, it's their, you know, their story is, is that they, they, they walked away from all of that to become their own independent person. And then three sessions in, you have an uncle show up saying, I knew your parents. Mm -hmm. The player doesn't care. They already said that. Yeah. That's that you're railroading them into something that they did not have buy in and really don't want to be involved in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff that you got to be careful about, especially with when dealing with characters' engagement. Uh
0: I, I think the other the other thing that um, I've seen pretty commonly is when a player or when a storyteller mistakes their own engagements and interests for the players. Yes, i.e., you think something is cool, so you put it into your game and try to fo- force it upon your players. And your players don't give a crap about it, but yep. you continue with it because oh no, this is this is the coolest thing ever. You See this a lot with like DM PCs.
1: Mm-hmm. No, um, I like, see that all the time.
0: I I made this original character and he's a badass, so he's gonna join your party and he's gonna solve everything. And he's fifteenth level and he's so much better than you. And like, uh, st- stop, stop it! You're just tr- you're you're basically just telling your own story and you're not even involving us in it. You know? Yeah. But you're expecting all of us to sit here and go, ooh, ah, your character is so cool because you're trying to live out your own power fantasy.
1: Yeah, or or worse yet, you're trying to sell you're trying to to tell a deep and meaningful theme to the players that is beyond what the plot is actually talking about. You're you're trying to give them a philosoph- you know, philosophical discussion about caring about society and show them that they don't care about society without telling them that. That that without literally explicitly saying that this is going to be a treatment that we're going to be walking through about the perils of of your uh, of respect and actions on society. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a political statement that I'm trying to make out of this. Like, that's not cooperative storytelling. That's cramming into someone's face that they are being murder hobos and you don't want them to do that without saying that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that that's not cool. That's not cool.
0: Uh all right so last question my players engagement is so focused they move the story so fast i cannot keep up the pace how can i slow them down without breaking their engagement
1: i don't uh there are some there the are st- creative things that you can do with that um i get where you're coming from and what i will say to you is this if you have players who are engaged that tightly with your story that they're running literally to, to, to get more story into their system, you can start pulling roadblocks in other directions. You can start doing red herrings um, and and making them run a little bit down a, di- a different direction. Because again, they're running, right? Um, and they're not thinking all the scenarios through. That's when you can start playing those games because your players are so engaged. They're involved. Um, you can bring up their backstories and let those be obstacles to running the narrative, to running the true plot.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a great time to bring in a B plot or a subplot too. Yeah. uh, to, to kind of trip things up a little bit add throw a complication in. Yeah. Um, I would, I would also say, uh, make things, make things time sensitive. Um, but in, in not in the sense that they need to be done quickly, but that you have to wait for them.
1: Yeah, I, I think the other one that gets me is, is uh, start, you know, start thinking of it like a series where there's an end goal. Like the A team was on the run. That was mm-hmm. their big thing, but they always needed money. They always needed a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Right. These are the, the you know, if you start removing elements of Maslow's hierarchy, you know, they can't they're, they're not safe. They're not secure. They're running out of food. You know, those types of things slow people down because now they have to fulfill those needs, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. And again, the other thing you can do with them is do the snapshots. Don't run day to day or event to event. There can be things that happen in between. While you're on, you know, they know that they're, you know, oh, we figured out we have to get to this town. Okay, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go to the Mages Guild and and, uh, and get a uh, and you know, or whatever and get horses and ride straight to this town. Excellent. The next game is going to be on the way to that town. Oh, we don't get there yet? Nope. Something happened along the way. Mm -hmm. And you now have an adventure along the way. Yeah. Now, does it tell about the world? Does it give more of elements about their players? Is it a B plot that gets shoved in? I don't know. Figure that part out. But that gives you time. Yeah. Gives you a week. Gives you a week to figure out what's going to happen at at that town when they
0: get there because you've slowed them down effectively with an obstacle.
1: And again, that adventure could be exceptionally simple. Mm Mm-hmm. What's the motivation? The town's having a the town's having a uh, a celebration. What's the complication? There may or may not be a monster also nearby. Sure. <laughs> Boom, done. Done. Bosh. Now. Yep, now you know. There mm-hmm. there there's your whole adventure and the players will literally fill in the gaps. Yeah. Cuz they're excited to move on. Yep.
0: So all right, uh, so our next week's topic uh, is going to be the uh, the first Wednesday of the month. So yes. we're going to get right back into our one-on-one series, um, and we're going to talk about a little bit about improving. Um, how do you roll with the punches?
1: Uh, yeah, you, I mean, you're, what you're, are you are you ready for what's next? Are your players throwing you a curveball, like we were just kind of talking about a little bit? Mm-hmm. You know, are your players running off into the woods? Yeah, exactly. So,
0: uh, basically uh, talking about, you know, how to, how to kind of craft things so that you can uh, you can come up with stuff easily on the fly, adapt the changes, and then roll with the punches. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave and join us up on our discord you can find that link on our twitter as well as our website storytellerconclave.com we'd love to hear some great questions for you join the community ask some questions uh and uh, talk to other great
1: storytellers we'd like to thank our patreon members who help us out every single month especially our name members Knox in the box Subchat sam the arcane asylum sparkle motion veteran Hulavu, and sean we really appreciate all your help our pre-show music is by arcane anthems you can find that at patreon.com slash anthems or find them on instagram i found out Uh, Intro music is by Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicki and Sean. Thank you so
0: much for loving and supporting us uh, over all these years. All of our friends have sat with us at our tables all these years and uh, helped us give these uh, great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so much. Love you. Good night. Good night.